Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast Quarterback Edition. Mm-hmm. We are right here in the middle of August. I'm your host, Ian Harditz. Joining me, as always, the one, the only, Dwayne The Rock McFarlane. Dwayne, happy Monday. Yeah, man. Happy Monday. I, I haven't talked to Ian in... Actually, I don't. we didn't talk live all weekend like we texted some. So, yeah, I, I need some Ian this morning. Um, of course, I'm super excited about our guests, but I don't want to steal your thunder like I did with with uh, with Evan last week, Ian, so I'll be quiet. We do have another guest. The tripod booth is back. The connoisseur of context. Fake football meteorologist. The sharp football analysis. The Swami of Konami. Rich Rebar at Lord Reeves. Rich, thanks for coming on again, man. This is time number three, I think. Great day to be great, brother. Yeah, it is a great day to be great. You know, and listen, everyone's coming to Ohio this week. So, you know, I'm going to see you guys. I'll see Dwayne for the first time. Last year at the Expo, someone thought I was Dwayne. And I talked to him, this person for like five minutes. It was pretty good. And, you know, he's talking to me. He's like, oh, you know, you know, I, I like your work. I'm like, cool, man. Thanks. That's too kind. And he's like, yeah, so how, how do you like working at Pro Football Focus? And I was like, oh, who does this guy think I am? <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, he was like, oh, you're Dwayne McFarlane, right? And I was like, ah, oh, no, but Dwayne's pretty great. Uh, I wish he was here, too. So we're going to see Dwayne this year in person. Big same. Yeah, Dwayne and, 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 and people will know him. now because, Reeves, like, I've heard you're tall, right? Uh, I'm, like – I, I don't know what tall kind You're probably tall compared are. to me. I'm five yeah, nine. So like they'll see us next to each other. And if you're like six three or something, you know. Yeah. Everyone in my family's tall except for me and like uh my uncle. Like everybody's like six one plus. Yeah, the fantasy industry oddly has like a lot of tall dudes in it. Uh it's like when you I don't consider myself tall, consider what we're around, but yeah, there's a lot of tall people in the fantasy space. Reeves, you saw the you saw the kids coming up the industry there last year, man. Like I consider yeah. myself a fairly big guy. I I go to the gym a good amount. <laughs> I saw some kids I don't want to fuck with up there, man. No, man. I mean, dude, Cody Carpentier and Zach Kruger were walking around like an 80s WWE tag team. Like, I was like, they were walking around next to each other. It was just a lot of shoulder. There was no necks at all. Uh, I was not getting involved. I was, I was, listen, man, those are my boys. I was like, I'm making friends with these guys. Yeah, you better clarify that they are your boys now that you're, you know. Get yourself into some trouble. Going to be turning around looking for me and Ian, and we're going to be nowhere to be found. <laughs> gonna be a very fun fantasy football expo up in canton ohio this weekend for sure guys we do got a little bit of work to do before this weekend again rich thank you for coming on and we just want to kind of go through all things at quarterback not going to go quarterback by quarterback i think we've already kind of touched on that throughout the summer you know our team previews and things like that but want to get some takes on you know who exactly we're targeting what our general strategy is and on that latter point rich do you have a general strategy you've been kind of deploying at the quarterback position so far this draft season 
So things have really kind of shifted at the quarterback position in recent times. I'd like to take some credit for it. I don't know how much I'm actually allowed to have, though, for it. But you look at last year, top 24 quarterbacks in ADP carried a R-squared correlation of .5826 to points per game after .495 the year before in 2020. So in other words, 58% and 50% of all fantasy output per game that quarterback scored the past years can just be traced back to ADP. Simple as that. Uh, for the previous 10 years, from 2010 to 2019, it was just 21%. I mean, this is a massive, massive difference in draft accuracy. Either we've gotten really, really lucky or we've kind of cracked the code a little bit on what we're doing here. So just to get some added context here from a weekly stance. Top 12 quarterbacks in ADP, QB1s in ADP, they combined for 52% of all QB1 scoring weeks in the season. You say, oh, yeah, they make 52%, half of them, yeah, it's fine. They accounted for 65% of all top six scoring weeks in the season, 79.6% of all top three scoring weeks in the season, and 16 of the 18 weekly high scorers on the season were QB1s. Uh, The other two were Joe Burrow, who was QB13 in ADP, and Tyler Huntley, who had that magical (laughs) game uh, against the Packers. So things have really kind of shifted here into how to approach this. You know, the days of late round quarterback and streaming a quarterback are a lot harder than they've ever been. Um, So now I'm kind of like where I'm going to monitor the first tier of quarterbacks. I'm going to turn like late round quarterback into like late round quarterback one. Uh, you know, so I'm looking at, you know, who's going to fall between Josh Allen, who never does, uh, Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, and Kyler Murray. Like, monitor that tier. Let's try to catch maybe the last of that tier where they fall in a palatable range. If they don't, then, hey, if the room's aggressive, I'm going to keep waiting. And then I'm going to try to get on to the next tier of quarterbacks. And typically, Russell Wilson has been my favorite guy of, like, the back half of the QB1s that I've gotten the most often. But that's kind of how I'm playing. I mean, we have, like I said, we were really lucky the last two years or we've kind of cracked the code a little bit. Yeah, so, Rich, just, like, specifically, you know, looking at the other tiers right at the other positions. Like, because I think that's the other thing that comes into play. Like, at least for me, mm-hmm. when I start looking at when would I consider pulling the trigger, and you've probably seen some of my stuff, my threads, just... Like for me, it's been really big Kyler Murray in round five or six, really big on Jalen Hurts in round six. Um, I would throw in Trey Lance now, round nine, round 10, you know, really aiming for the dual threat guys. Mm -hmm. Um, I did notice something, you know, similar to what you were talking about. I kind of took it from a little bit of a different approach. But what I noticed was that the number one QB is outscoring the the QB 12 by more you know, more and more over the last several years, right? The gap's growing. But the gap between QB one and QB six is not as large as we have more of the dual threat options. I think that's part of it. That doesn't answer all of it. Some of it is just, you know, like a Tom Brady, right? Having a great passing season used to like, that's what we had to count on, right? These outlier passing seasons. But now with these rushing floors, it seems like if you can just get one inside the top six, maybe even top seven this year, if it's Trey Lance, like I'm really into that. But the other part of it really are the tier breaks. So it's like when I get to a spot in the draft and I start looking at the receivers that are available, right? I look at the tight ends that are available, the other positions, and that's kind of my trigger where I'm like, okay, I'm pivoting over to the quarterbacks here. Have you considered anything similar to that? And if so, like, you know, what does that range look like for you where you would make the pivot? Yeah, and that's going to vary draft by draft, like you said, where those tiers go up. I mean, me and Ian are currently in an industry apex draft where, like, wide receivers are just always so, like, ridiculous in that league. So, like, the, the tiers completely alter. 
Um, so if the room's going to let quarterback slide, you, you're allowed to let quarterback slide too with it. You've got to always kind of play the room, how it's going. Uh, one of the other things too that I think is really interesting in context, because we keep saying the last two years, right? Well, what's happened the last two years? Football has been played in the most unique climates it's ever been played in the last two years. And I'm curious to see if we have any type of you know regression coming in that form in terms of 2022. I mean, we assume, fingers crossed, that COVID is going to have the, the lowest impact it's had in the NFL season for the past three years this year. We'll see if that remains to be true. But uh, other things that have really impacted things uh, outside of the pandemic, you know, that that tie into it are, you know, home field advantage two years ago and the splits that regressed last year. Also, uh, offensive penalties are way down the past two years. Uh, you know, offensive holding has been called and sacks have been reduced the last years. It's the first time in a decade we've had quarterbacks with a sack rate, a sack rate, below 6% in over a decade. And part of that too is, you know, teams aren't blitzing as much anymore because everyone wants to play two high safeties. You know, everyone's tired of hearing that, but like that's still a thing. And you're going to see a lot more of that this year. NFL defense are just a lot more aggressive. There's all these things that have like gotten cooked into these past two years that still have some volatility to them because we haven't really come out of this yet. Uh, you know, not not even as, as people in society. So like the NFL hasn't come out of it yet too. Uh, I wrote an article on that earlier in the season. It's one of the things that I kind of just want to nerd it up a little bit. No one's really talked about like the pandemic's influence on fantasy football either, but it's totally has had a, a thumbprint on the past year's fantasy. Great points all around, Rich. And I did look at something where I know you had the top 24 quarterbacks showing that we're better than ever predicting those. Same exact thing, just exclusive to the top 12, like better than ever over these past two years. We'll be very interested to see how 23 and 24 comes along. We're actually in two drafts going uh, up against each other right now. Rich also in Dr. Evan Porras' injury-prone invitational. Now, this is a super flex draft and quarterbacks, okay, maybe we have a few different tier differences and running backs being pushed up in standard leagues, but standard half PPR, PPR, obviously not really impacting our quarterback, um, just how we're kind of valuing them. But Rich, obviously super flex, changes things. You had the 101. You went Jonathan Taylor over Josh Allen as the 102. I was very happy to get Josh Allen in my lap. What made you go JT at a first overall? And is that something that you consistently doing in super flex? Uh, I'm not going to lie. I honestly forgot this was a two-quarter <laughs> Dude, Rich, I feel bad now because I didn't know. Ian didn't tell me it was you earlier. He goes, I got Josh Allen at the 102, and I said, what moron lets you do that in a super flex? Rich, Rich I, I wasn't no positive. Clue. I wasn't positive either. That's why I didn't pre-draft last night. I just wanted to double check. That's exactly what I did when, when he got on and said, you know, hey, this thing starts in the morning. Make sure you pre-draft. I had the 101. And it was just a byproduct of me doing too many leagues at once and not really paying mm-hmm. attention. 100% my fault i'm gonna make this shit work though i'm gonna make this work uh but totally <laughs> honestly man just total brain collapse on my part i Fair just enough, totally man. forgot the settings that's um, how it gets when you're in this many leagues so okay <laughs> had you known it was a super flex the, the ones i've been in rich because you know i think sometimes if you're someone out there you're joining your first two quarterback league you know you get there like the 108 or 109 you're like oh my god i can still get this wide receiver or running back more times than not though i like to get my two quarterbacks and then deal with the rest of the roster yeah, especially for all the reasons we just laid out. If that's something that's going to be static, I mean, it's just harder to get production out of the well the deeper you go. Yeah. So I'm going to definitely have some work to do uh, <laughs> the, the rest of this thing. At least I, I have Jonathan Taylor, I guess. I mean, I'm going to at least ride that wave. But, uh, yeah. If it's it was bad to have JT. I mean, come on. <laughs> if, if I would have been, you know, cognizant of 
what was going on, I would have taken Josh Allen. Which leads us to our next point, everyone. Always make sure you check those league rules before <laughs> yeah. uh, before you get going. All right, Rich. So, you know, this morning when I did happen to get Josh Allen, it felt good because I ha- really haven't gotten him on many teams at all uh, this year. Dwayne had his recent fade list article where, you know, he specifically says, like, this is not relative to ADP. He just specifically hates these players mm-hmm. personally, of course. And uh, Josh Allen was, of course, on that. I kid, I kid, I kid. But have you found yourself, like, you know, even like in best ball land, Rich, like willing to pay up for Josh Allen? Because it's wild to me, like, how we have this consensus, like, QB1. But at the same time, everyone I kind of talk to seems pretty willing to fade him in round three. But my goodness, man, like, if there's any quarterback out there, it's just going to blow up the position. We all kind of agree it's Josh. Yeah, still no, not really. I mean, as much as things have have changed to shift towards, you know, the the front of quarterbacks being good, that's still hard to be the first guy in line. I mean, the last time the QB1 in ADP has finished even higher than the QB4 was 10 years ago. So the last time the QB1 was even the QB1 overall was Aaron Rodgers in 2011. Also, you know, Josh Allen, he's, just, he's got to go against the field again. I mean, the, the last time a quarterback was the QB1 overall in three straight years was Brett Favre in the mid-90s. Yeah. Uh, you know, so even when you look at last year and Josh Allen running it back, back-to-back years, Justin Herbert still produced 95% of Josh Allen's points. Tom Brady still produced 93% of his points. When you compare that to, like, running back and wide receiver and tight end, I mean – the leverage just isn't there, you know, if we're, we're not talking QQB and Superflex. So, I mean, I'm a big-time fan of Josh Allen. He's arguably the most fun quarterback we've had on a play-per-play play basis in my lifetime, uh, you know, just for the extreme highs and, like, kind of lows. He plays like, From the he, double coverage, throw into a fullback to what well, we have now. Yeah, I mean, he's throwing <laughs> the ball behind him. He, he, this dude has he's – like, he's, he's a physical profile of Cam Newton. Um, he kind of has, like, the howitzer of John Elway. Uh, he's got improv skills, like, you know, old Fran Tarkington videos. And he's got kind of like the YOLO DGAF like, of Brett Favre. Like he ooh, just yeah. kind of has the whole package of like, it's just super fun. You don't know what's going to happen on a play-to-play basis. And he, he, I I just can't take him at, at where he goes in fantasy drafts. So the biggest question I get on Josh Allen Rich, because people know where I stand, but mm-hmm. you know how they'll DM me and I get, the, they're bit like, where would you be willing to take Josh <laughs> Allen? Like how far, like, does he have to fall? And so, where I've done it, um, especially in best ball, is if I ever see him around past ADP and I'm trying to draft, you know, 100 teams, like I, that's how I'm going to get my exposure to Josh Allen. Over in redraft, I thought about it a little bit more. Honestly, it would be further. I think it's probably more like 18 to almost two rounds past, which you're never going to get him there unless you're, to y'all's point, you're in an industry draft. Then you could probably get the draft Josh Allen. But in most typical leagues, right, he's not going to fall that far. But I think that's the answer I would give. And again, like my thought process is kind of looking at, well, what's the opportunity costs plus who are the potential arbitrage plays we still have? And like, what's the price tag on those? And I think so it's probably still around 18 picks before I would pull the trigger. Because right now in Yahoo, he's going at the end of round two over an ESPN. He's going early round three. So the price tag in home leagues is really high. Yeah, 100%. And like, you, and like you say, even being the first guy still, you're still not setting the, the market of the room, right? Like I, I'm always with the corpse. I want to read the room a little bit. And I want to see how the room's going to handle each position. And if you're still the first guy that takes Josh Allen or first, you know, first game that takes Josh Allen, 
you don't know when QB2 is coming off the board still. It's not like you force the issue. You don't the, know. The worst still. feeling, you do it, and it's like another 30 picks. And yeah. Like, yes. Oh, my God. I could have had. Yeah, it's the worst. I love uh, I love that Rich mentioned the Brett Favre being the last quarterback with three straight overall QB1 performances because I'll do that same thing, Rich. We're like, you know, you, we start going – you go back 10 years, and there's still, like, no one that's matched it. It's like, all right. Here we go. Let's refill a cup of coffee. Let's go back 50 years and like see what's going on here. So Josh <laughs> Allen repeating as fantasy's overall QB1. The last guy to do it two years in a row was Dante Culpepper in 03 and 04. Other all-time quarterbacks over the last 50 years to do it twice. So we have Allen, Culpepper, Dan Fouts, Roger Staubach, Kenny Anderson. The only two quarterbacks to do it three straight years in a row, Brett Favre, and right before him, Steve Young. So in a row. Actually, yeah, that's why. Steve Young from 92 to 94, and then far from 95 to 97. What a time uh, to be alive. I guess you boomers were actually probably er, – I was. Listen, Steve Young was my favorite quarterback. Were you guys doing it, counting up the stats in the newspaper, however the hell you guys did it? Yeah, he he was by far my favorite quarterback growing up, man. I mean, he was the – like, he he was what the – the, the apex of Konami was because he was a, he was, he could run and he was an elite passer. You got it both. And you got, you just mad. That's why he was, I think he actually had four years in a row where he was number one in points per game. Damn. He missed because he missed time. Steve Young was known to miss games here and there. Uh, but man, I love Steve Young. I always see him popping up on these like best all time quarterback runs list. And it's just absolutely out of this world. I think Dwayne's been trying to curse me about your mind. No, 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 I'm good. And Dwayne's a Cowboys guy. So he probably hated Steve Young. No, no, it's funny. Like, uh, <laughs> my middle son Landry and I, named after Tom Landry, like we we bonded around Steve Young um, because he loves playing Madden Ultimate Team. And back when I used to have mm-hmm. a job that paid a lot, unlike fantasy football, like I would just buy a Madden Ultimate Team pack. I was buying my son's love, Rich. Um, <laughs> and uh, I remember we pulled the golden—I don't know—that was golden ticket or whatever—and mm-hmm. we got the Steve Young that year. I guess he had already been like an Ultimate player, and then someone turned him into like the ultra ultra version and dude we were just killing people with steve young i mean we i i like the passing he liked the rushing and we would trade uh we would we would go online and play matches but we would trade we would trade the remote like after every you know i'm old when i say remote like the controller (laughs) damn it we would trade you know after every play and of course he would immediately just go scrambling you know they would have to have full-on contain and then they hand the the you know the controller back to the boomer and you better have your pass. You better have your uh, passing game ready. You better have your pass defense ready, Rich. We uh, yeah. We are talking to Sw- Swami of Konami here, of course. So let's talk about the rest of these dual threats real quick, uh, Rich. So we have Kyler, Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts, Trey Lance. We'll leave Fields out of it for the moment. Between Kyler, Lamar, Jalen, Trey Lance. Each of them, maybe Lamar goes round four from time to time, but kind of seeing Lamar and Kyler usually rounds five, six, Hurts round six, maybe round seven. Trey Lance, as Dwayne said before, maybe closer to round nine. How would you rank them all also considering that cost? So factoring in cost, I have them Kyler. Uh, you know, Kyler just has that kind of like, like we talked about Steve Young, like he has the kind of the best of both worlds. If like you were to hit a ceiling in both areas, I mean, he could potentially – throw for 5,000 yards, maybe rush for another 700, have like those 40 combined touchdowns or plus. So like I would have him first. I have Hertz second. Then I would have Lance and then Lamar. And I know that that probably is maybe shocks some people being the Swami of Konami and not really being in on Lamar. He's one of my least favorite quarterbacks at ADP though. Um, Cause when you look at Lamar, I mean, 
the the surrounding talent still is a major question mark. I mean, it's very thin at the top. If anything happens to Mark Andrews or Rashad Bateman, like we're relying on a lot of guys. Uh, then you look at the Ravens' schedule. They have one of our worst projected passing schedules uh, this season. I mean, he gets the Jets in week one, which you love, but then the following month he gets the Dolphins, the Patriots, the Bills, and the Bengals. Then he sells the Bucks, the Browns, and the Saints even before his bye. Um, in uh, Lamar as a passer against top 10 passing defense in his career averages just 6.1 yards for pass attempt. Uh, last year it was just 5.3 yards. And, you know, we're, we have the 2019 version of Lamar in our heads. We're going to hold it in our heads for a long time because he can always reach that. But where has the ceiling been? He's been a floor quarterback since then. Um, he just has four top three scoring weeks since 2019. He had nine that season in 2019. Um, so I look at his layout compared to Jalen Hurts and everything that Jalen Hurts does is arguably the same. And the situation is just better. He's got a better offensive line. He's got better, uh, up and down pass catchers. He's got a better schedule. Um, so, I mean, it, it's hard for me to, to not take, you know, Hurts over Lamar and Lamar always goes before him. So, uh, yeah, he's not my least favorite quarterback in ADP, but man, I'm not that into Lamar's ADP right now. Yeah, man, I love Kyler. That's had him as the number two since like March. Ian has him as his number two as well. And and like in a nutshell, what you just said, right? Talking about, I mean, I even said, look, if anyone could pass for five thousand and rush for a thousand, I think the only person on the list is Kyler. Not saying to your point, like, is he really going to hit both max outcomes right. right in each category? That it would be a crazy season, but it could happen. Um, so just curious with you on Kyler, um, you know, knowing you know the way ADP works out. Like, where are you, where are you in drafts where you're typically like, okay, I'm just, I got to take him here. I'm not letting him pass. And I know rooms are different. Let's just say (laughs) typical drafts that, you know, most people are going to play in. Yeah. I think once we get to like, um, that, that wide receiver kind of like 36, just the 40 ish range. Um, I've already almost, by the time Kyler comes up, I have an anchor running back, right? Two running backs by then. So I'm not really cared. I'm not just not where Kyler goes. I'm not even looking at running backs really at that point. Anyways, it doesn't matter. So kind of, it's just where the wide receiver position is dried up and where I've started. Cause if I'm going anchor, I might already have four or five wide receivers and I feel really good. One might play for the Cardinals. I might feel even extra incentivized Ooh. to grab him. Uh, and, you know, if I've gone, if I've double tapped running back, you're someone that's tweeted about this a few times too. I mean, because, you know, the archetypes of running backs that are available in rounds two and three this year, this is the first year in fantasy football I've been playing it. Those types of guys were never available in those rounds. So we've got a lot of fun ways to approach fantasy football from the start of draft. So typically it kind of goes, I'm looking mo- mostly at where the, like, the wide receiver tiers are because no matter what the format is, I'm not playing. It, I don't know if anyone's still playing in just any flat standard leagues anymore. Mostly everyone's at least in half point PPR. But so I'm ac- actually looking to kind of see where like the wide receivers kind of hit that like firewall and die. Like we kind of are in this apex draft where Robert Woods is already off the board. <laughs> That's uh, what I was say real well quick, there. like uh, <laughs> give, give folks like just it doesn't have to be all your names, but one or two names that kind of represent like from a receiver perspective. Just to give people an idea, oh, like, like what are those receiver names where you're saying, uh, pretty much pivoting to Kyler? Yeah, Hunter Renfro, Christian Kirk, like those types okay. of guys. Yes. You know, like those types of guys. And that's not Agreed. to dunk on any – it's not to dunk on those players. No. That's where, <laughs> yeah, I'm looking to make that move. 
and that's kind of been like doing just a bunch of drafts with Dwayne. I think that's what's so valuable, like going through them. And so I, I'd always, um, I always suggest to people, if you're trying to just get ready for your one or two drafts, you know, just go spend like five or 10 bucks an underdog. Cause you're going to get a better, you know, you get better reps. And if you just go on these mock draft lobbies, that I think a lot of people tune out of uh, more quickly than not, because you find these patches of players are like, yeah, we love the quarterbacks in rounds five or six. The wide receivers aren't so, or the running backs definitely aren't so great. And the wide receivers drop off. So that's when we're taking quarterbacks and, you know, Dwayne's done great work showing how basically no matter what build you have after the first six rounds, round seven through 11, as long as you play your cards right, you should be able to fill a lot of the holes uh, you still have there. So yeah, really about not reaching too early. And from that point, Rich, you talked about Lamar being someone that you're not buying much at cost. What do you say he is, you know, him, Josh Allen, is there maybe another top 12 quarterback at ADP you just haven't been getting much of at all? Because personally, you know, Joe Burrow at QB8, I probably haven't been getting much of all of him just because I don't see that big of a difference between Burrow and what someone like, you know, Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins, like, okay, give me Joe Burrow for sure. But when I can get Kirk Cousins Mm -hmm. 40 picks later or so, I'm usually just taking that value. Yeah, and that's the guy. I mean, Lamar, I don't love at cost, but like I'm cognizant, like if Lamar is going to fall like QB8 in my room. And like, I know what he represents for upside as well. Joe Burrow is a little bit different here. I mean, and in Gen Pop leagues, that are coming up and ramping up. I mean, he's going like the QB six in a lot of those leagues, which is pretty baffling. I mean, you know, look at him last year. He paced position twice in scoring, which you love. Uh, but he had, he had seven weeks as the QB 16 or lower. Uh, I'm very suspect on his head coach. I'm very suspect on his layout. He had the third easiest schedule last year, and he still carried that like real high variance for fantasy. I do think he'll run a little bit more like we saw in the playoffs, but he actually wasn't that good in the postseason either. Uh, you know, and you look at the Bengals from a top-down view, like I have a hard time believing that just like the talent didn't overcome Zach Taylor a little bit. Um, you know, a first down play calls a neutral game script. They were 3% below pass rate expectation. Uh, Burrow ended the year 16th in pass attempts on first down, despite being, you know, fifth in completion rate on first down, second in passing touchdown, fourth in yards for pass attempt. This is a team that is slow. They were 29th in the league at pace of play. They were uh, 30th in pace of play in neutral game script. Um, I mean, it's it's really kind of hard to like really love the approach that they had with all the talent they had. Maybe that was some of his ACL related. Uh, they have young receivers. There's plenty of room for scoring growth, but the Bengals also have our 32nd ranked passing schedule this year. They draw 11 opponents uh, that were in the top 13 of pass, of pass efficiency blend last year, which is uh, efficiency allowed plus explosive plays allowed. We know the Bengals lived on some explosive plays. Joe Burrows openly talked about that he anticipates how much safe to again to I safety drop again uh, drink uh, that how much he anticipates teams are going to play two uh, two I safeties against the Bengals. And when you think about their offensive line being beefed up, like to me that's a raging signal that like Joe Mixon's going to run against some light boxes with a better offensive line a lot. Uh, and I like that. Um, and then you look at their their layout going back to their layout here. Weeks 14 through 18, I know that's a, a pie-in-the-sky view. The NFL is very fluid and things oscillate on a dime. But, I mean, in the fantasy playoff zone, the Bengals face the Browns, the Buccaneers, the Patriots, Bills, and the Ravens. I mean, that's as daunting as a close to a, a season like any team has. And, and Burrow last year, he faced just six top ten pass defenses. 
7.3 yards for pass attempt in those games, 236 passing yards per game in those games compared to 8.6 yards for pass attempt and 319 yards for pass a game. Otherwise, uh, not really getting a lot of rushing, even if he does run more. Like you said, he's a, I'm able to arbitrage Joe Burrow. Right. I am not worried about it. Uh, you know, maybe a Kirk Cousins, maybe a Derek Carr, maybe a Tua Tagovailoa. Uh, as much as I love Joe Burrow, he's super cool. He's got a lot of swag. Uh, he's from Cincinnati. Uh, real tough, man. Real tough. Yeah, we talked about arbitrage plays for Bur- for Burrow earlier this season, Ian. <laughs> it was those exact names, Cousins, Carr. We were throwing those names out. Well, yeah, you look just... at him last year, man, arguably the most efficient quarterback in the league, and he was the QB 10 in fantasy points per game. Like It's just tough when you have, to Rich's point, basically a zero rushing floor. Like Unless you're Tom Brady and like just easily outpacing the league in terms of total pass attempts, like they're playing a different position. Yeah, like yeah, Burrow has to throw forty touchdowns. There's no way around it. If you're taking right. a QB six, he has to throw forty touchdowns, which he can. He could, but <laughs> you have to. So, someone that has actually made a habit of throwing forty touchdowns, thirty-seven last year, forty-eight the year before. Aaron Rodgers, guys, the QB fourteen over underdog fantasy. Uh, are we are we messing this up? Are we going to look back? two months from now and just be like, what the hell were we doing ranking Aaron freaking Rogers QB 14? Obviously, you know, we don't have Devonte Adams, but it is Aaron Rodgers, guys like rich. Have you found yourself? And again, I have him, I think 12th or 13th. So I'm not making a big stand against it, but mm-hmm. you know, Dwayne likes to look at players and be like, Hey, are we going to look at this player eventually? And just like, could it cost us? You know, could he win your league for you? I'm not quite sure that's in Rogers, you know, I don't know if an overall QB one season is range of outcomes, but he's still Aaron freaking Rogers, rich. How have you kind of dealt with the losing Devontae Adams from that offense and how big of an impact that will be for Aaron Rodgers? Because I believe I looked it up recently and Hey, obviously Devontae is going to be replaced uh, to some extent, but let's say we just take away every single touchdown pass Devontae Adams scored over the past two years. Rodgers would still be ninth in the NFL in total passing touchdowns. So it re- really might be one of these things where not trying to take any credit away from Devontae Adams, obviously, but maybe Aaron Rodgers can still be a top 10 fantasy quarterback without him. It's definitely possible. I think the room has it right. I think that the public has it right. I mean, obviously we talked about how we valued the position, the archetype of the position that has in, in, infiltrated the top of ADP and he just doesn't fit that mold. And, you know, especially factoring in his age and how little he's run at this stage of his career, I mean, it's just hard for him to crack that here. You even see with Brady. Brady led the, the league in every single passing stat you could think of, and look where he goes still, because everyone knows the dude doesn't run. Uh, so you have your, your margin for error is so thin. On one hand, Rodgers does have over 500 dropbacks the past six years without Devontae Adams on the field, and his rate stats don't take a major hit, and some of them even look even better. He's played 10 full games without Adams, excluding regular season finales over that span. And in those games, you've seen a lot of the splits people use. He's had 22 fantasy points per game. He's had six QB1 scoring weeks. Uh, He's had just one week lower than QB15. The floor has been there for Aaron Rodgers, even without Devontae Adams. Um, But he has found it harder to access a ceiling without Devontae Adams. He's had just three weeks higher than QB7 on that 10-game sample. Uh, And then, you know, you, you factor in the sample of where you're losing Devontae Adams. We see this all the time with Aaron Jones. It's not just you're missing Devontae Adams for two weeks and you adjust for that opponent and you find a game plan that works. Like this is going without Devontae Adams now for the entire season. It's not going to be different than just those games, right? When plugging two games worth of we don't have him and we're going to use Aaron Jones more in the passing game. 
we can't really use a lot a lot of those splits. And remember, we're just two years removed away from Aaron Rodgers being four, the QB 14 in points per game and everyone kind of questioning like the potential decline of Aaron Rodgers. Like that, that wasn't that long ago. Um, it was before ayahuasca, but like, you know, it, it wasn't that long ago. Uh, so I believe he's kind of fairly priced given the landscape, the position, you know, especially, you know, when we factor in, like said, he doesn't run anymore. He's another one of these guys, like for him to obliterate ADP, He's going to have to win a third straight MVP and flirt with 40 plus touchdowns. And it's really kind of hard to expect that. So rich, let's talk about a different guy here. Deshaun Watson. Like, what are you doing? Like (laughs) I get this question all the time too. Mm -hmm. I mean, such a wide range. Look, let's be honest. Like I have no clue what's going to happen, you know, with the legal situation, you know, at first we thought, well, it's going to be six games. We're pretty sure the league would appeal. They did. Now we know that they're probably wanting a minimum of one year, but then you hear, well, maybe Deshaun Watson, you know, if this goes a certain way, could play week one. I mean, I I don't know. But at the end of the day, we know it's a very talented player, right? Mm-hmm. And so obviously the risk is high, but the ADP is also low. Are there any roster constructions? Like when you're sitting there drafting and you're towards, you know, your later rounds, round 13, 15, in that range where you're like, you know, I'm going to put Watson on the squad for X reason. Uh, are there any scenarios like that, or is, or is he just a player that you're avoiding? In one quarterback league, he's not even really on my draft board. I mean, it, it, like we, it's, just, it's just hard to kind of like, like, one, expect him to play, just have that kind of taken out of your hands. Um, and we can always kind of make up some of the like production versus the field, even though we can't get you know Deshaun Watson as Apex. He's one of those players that we talked about, like Kyler. You can get the best of both worlds. Um, and he's been, you know what, QB4 in points per game or better in each of the past three years he's played. But here's the thing in one quarterback leagues, not every league allows suspended players to be placed on injured reserve. Some do. And if they do, then, you know, more power to you. Uh, so if you have shallow benches and he's got to eat a roster spot for half of the fantasy regular season, because remember the Browns buy is week nine. So even if the six game sticks, it's six plus one more. So it's seven or 14. Um, it's just kind of hard to punt a roster spot in those formats. It's just too valuable. The roster spot's too valuable. Now in two quarterback and super flex leagues, you can get a little cuter and in, in best ball leagues, but we'll just remove that. From there. But QQB and super flex, you can get a little cuter because you can insulate him with another QB. You can have, you can uh, to open up that platoon. Um, he's going to make you want to reach to that QB three a little earlier than you would, but it does give him a lot of, of more leverage in those types of leagues. Uh, so really, in one quarterback leagues, not really on my draft board. I'm just going to say, like, the, that if he comes back and plays 10 games, the apex of Deshaun Watson is not going to bury me. That's not going to lose me fantasy leagues. Maybe in a two-quarterback league it, it will. But, um, yeah, one quarterback leagues, I'm just, I really can't see a scenario where I'm, like, willing to put him on a roster. So I value roster spots. Yeah, and take, real quick, so, like, on – oh, go ahead, Ian, go. I was going to say, I've been taking a similar approach with it, Rich, where like you can't rely, you, like under no circumstances should Deshaun Watson be the first quarterback you pick. Now, if he, because you've seen some drafts and like Dwayne and I were looking at like the football guys, just where he's, you know, you have a dot where he's going on each draft, like probably the most volatile player from one draft to the next in terms of sometimes my, people might reach on him around 13. Other times maybe he's going in the freaking last round of the draft. So it does depend on a little bit, you know, the specific draft you're in as we're bringing it up. But, you know, Dwayne, the only time we've been like pro Watson is like once you get past the first 15 or 16 quarterbacks, like once I'm looking at guys like, no disrespect to them, but yeah. you know, your two is your Daniel Joneses of the world. Like just guys that we know don't have that same sort of, you know, top five upside. Dwayne, that's the only time where I'm really at this point leaning towards taking Watson. 
Yeah, and, and and again, kind of back to Rich's point, we're also, even though that's a one-quarterback league we're talking about, it's 20 rounds, you know, so yeah. you have you have the roster spot, you know, if you want to use it. Most often we don't draft a QB2 in those leagues um, because also you're drafting with a lot of other sharp drafters that don't draft a QB2 either, right? So there's plenty of guys left on the wire, but if you are going to take one and it's at the end and you're like, look, and I think where we've done it, Rich, is you build, you know, just an awesome roster from top to bottom, but let's say really RB2 is your question and you've stacked up backs to fill RB2. You don't know who it's going to be like that kind of situation. Sometimes I'm like, okay, well, let's just see what happens with Watson. Mm -hmm. Like if there is this true range of outcomes, because like at this point in the draft, like the only person that could feasibly replace a Kyler Murray, if you took them right, is Deshaun Watson. Otherwise you just, there's no real point like in taking any of these other, you know, players. Um, but if he's going to end up being suspended, you know, for that long, again, like you are clogging a roster spot, you know, in these leagues, um, that also means that the running back waiver wire extremely thin and they don't get dropped, you know, tight ends even are very thin over in those leagues. So, Back to your point, it really does matter with the league, but I think that's the only time I would really be willing to try it. Um, and, and some of that's based on like we just know there's this wide range of what could happen, what could come out of you know the situation right now. We'll get an inflection point here pretty quick, right? And we'll know more. We hope. So, yeah. Well, we hope. Yeah, we hope. <laughs> we thought. Yeah, the last time it wasn't. Well, we thought we had it. <laughs> right, right, and that's when everything started to kind of shift, and then this little, this last of the, the league going back and kind of rescinding this this judgment kind of is what makes the really money right like how much it feels like the league is entrenched on like not letting this happen when we did our team preview podcast like assuming no watson then we did the assuming six game suspension watson emergency <laughs> pod i'm sure we're gonna have to <laughs> roll a third one out there here sooner yeah. rather than later rich okay Favorite legit late round quarterback. Now I'm talking round 10 or later. So no Trey Lance, no Kirk Cousins, no Derek Carr, no Aaron Rodgers. Basically, you know, not to spoil my pick, but from Justin Fields on, which one of these late round quarterbacks would you actually feel comfortable with? I feel like it's got to just be Justin Fields. Yeah, I mean, I hold Fields higher up too, just because I feel like the situation can't be even as bad as it was last year. But my favorite quarterback is a guy you talked about. And, and yeah, I, I agree. He probably doesn't have that top five upside. Oh, no. But yeah, man, I'm I want to go to bat for Tua for sure. Whoa! Uh, because this this Miami offense, man, I'm so like in love with this, and maybe it's gonna be my undoing. But this is exactly the type of offense like every dude built in Madden, like growing up. It's 100 like the exact same offense. Like all we did was get the fastest guys everywhere in free agency. Like let's just get the the fastest guys. We're sorting by one category, speed, and we're gonna add them onto it. And I'll tell you why it's gonna matter in a second here. Um, but you look at Tua, obviously, I think we have to throw out just about everything that happened last year situationally in that Miami offense. The construct of that offense and what they had to do, the amount of RPO, they were running RPOs at almost a 50% rate, running play action because they couldn't run the football. They couldn't they didn't have any wide receivers that can get open. They did the ball out of Tua's hands. I don't think we're going to see that type of offense this year on any level. And Tua, like what we have seen translate to the NFL is something that does translate historically to the NFL, and that's accuracy. I mean, this guy, you know, coming coming out of college, 99th percentile on career yards or pass attempt, 96th percentile on touchdown to interception ratio, 96th percentile on career completion rate. These things have, have been static to his NFL game. Um, and then you look at the way this team's constructed – under the offensive line upgrades, getting Taron Armstead and Connor Williams, you know, getting all just speed backs in this wide zone scheme. Uh, and then you look at what he has forced to throw to with Devontae Parker, Mike Gusecki last year, and then j- just Jalen Waddell being forced into this tertiary 
low A dot near the line of scrimmage target. The Dolphins, the past three years, have ranked 31st, 32nd, and 29th in touchdowns scored outside the red zone the past three years. Look at these guys that they added. Tyree Kill has scored 40 career touchdowns outside the red zone. That's the most in the NFL since he entered the league. The next highest player is 28. Chase Edmonds, 36% of his career touchdowns scored outside the red zone. Raheem Mostert, 50%. Cedric Wilson, 63%. I mean, this no matter how you want to play it, like the Dolphins just have players that are going to create their own touchdowns, where two is not. And you still have Jalen Waddle getting now hopefully extended into a role that we saw that he can access, you know, in college. Uh, so, I mean, I look at this offense. I mean, they look at the plethora of things they can do. They can put a fullback on the field and play bully ball, depending on what set you come on. They can go in a three-by-one and play Mike Gassetti, Cedric Wilson, and Jalen Waddle on one side and Tyreek Hill on ISO. They can do so many different things. I, this is the matter. If I was building an offense in one year for agency, I mean, the Dolphins kind of did a lot of things that I would want to do. And I think, like, people, what they can point back to, Rich, is, like, we also see quarterbacks from the scheme occasionally just pop, right, and have a big year. We saw it with Matt Ryan when Kyle Shanahan was with, you know, the Falcons, right, when he had Julio Jones and he had, you know, Tevin Coleman was kind of the joker. They moved around. You had Devonta Freeman. Like, so, yeah, I think, you know, we've talked about this a couple times. Like, you don't know for sure what you're going to get, though, right? Mm-hmm. Because we've also seen a guy like Jimmy G get to play in an offense. Very similar. Not not quite as loaded as this one, but we San Francisco has really good, you know, surrounding talent. And he was never able to come through. But then we get these seasons like what we've seen in the past with Matt Ryan. Um, Heck, you can even go back to Matt Schaub back in his day with the Mm -hmm. Texans, you know, under the Shanahan kind of scheme when they had Andre Johnson, Kevin Walter. We're going way back. (laughs) Owen Daniels, Arian Foster. Uh, Yeah, those names don't sound as good as these as much as we like those. So, yeah, I think those are some good points. Um, When you look at, you know, this offense, and I know we're talking about quarterbacks here, but I just have to ask you because, you know, there's a lot of a lot of confusion, not confusion, but. Folks on the market, like, just wondering, like, what do we do with, you know, Tyreek Hill? What do we do with Jalen Waddle? Is your is your thought process on it, like, look, Hill's still the number one. He deserves to be this round two pick. Or are you really more, okay, I just like the price tag of Waddle. I've been in a few drafts, man, where in sharp drafts, where he's slipping into the fifth round now. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, when the, when the trade first happened, he knocked down to the end of the third. Then he kind of rounded into the fourth. And now he's towards the end of the fourth round and a lot of these, you know, FFPC style type drafts and even making it into round five. Any thoughts on those two? Yeah, at first I I hated it because they were both kind of going as low wide receiver ones almost. And I was like, oh, this is a lot to ask. Uh, You know, for one, like you said, one, we're putting a lot into his basket to prop both these guys up. And then we're also counting on the role change. I mean, you know, we have this almost a similar situation with Devontae Smith, you know, coming off of a really strong rookie season. And then they immediately bring in like a legit guy that has alpha qualities and has commanded targets in the NFL. Uh, the cool thing about Tyree kill is like, even when he doesn't get the ball he impacts the play, that's what's so great about this offense too. And then adding a guy like Tyree kill. Uh, I am not as concerned about Tyreek as much as the field is. Cause he's a guy that falls into the third round a lot too, just because he's consistently been good, no matter what, who's been throwing him the football and I know there's a lot smaller samples outside of non-packed Mahomes quarterbacks but I mean this is a guy that was a top five quarterback with Alex Smith we saw him live with Matt Moore over like a month when when Patrick Mahomes' knee got dislocated I still feel pretty high about his ceiling now Tyreek is a guy that is a lot more volatile than your typical wide receiver ones uh he has just two career games as a wide receiver one without a touchdown uh just four games as a top 24 scorer without a touchdown in his career as well. So he had, he does live on those touchdowns. He does create and score a lot of them. But if we were to say, all right, this move to Miami now 
does kind of ding his touchdown outlook. Maybe he turns into a guy that has eight touchdowns or, or 10 instead of a guy that has 12 or 15. Then that does make him, it adds a lot more volatility to him at his price tag. Uh, but now that Waddle has kind of fallen, I think his ADP is, is more than palatable right now to, to, to grab him as, as a cheap guy too and play it. Because like I said, I just believe that kind of like the construct of this offense is really going to work. And maybe that's going to be an undoing of my analysis this year. But like this is the way I would build an offense if I was building an offense. And I really want it to work. <laughs> Jalen Waddle or Deontay Johnson? Oh, give me uh, Waddle. Deontay is one of my least favorite players to draft. Um, Dealing with a hip flexor now, Dwayne just came out. Who yeah. is Deontay? Apparently, uh, yeah. I, I, there's not a Pittsburgh Steeler you can talk me into drafting before, like maybe Chase Claypool, and I still need maybe a little bit of massaging. On it's, that. it's pretty rough. All right, last thing on Tua because the one thing I struggle to get past is like we saw Jimmy G last year average eight point six yards per attempt. I mean, twenty nineteen eight point four. Like we don't care about style points and fantasy. Those dumbass six inch pop passes it gives to Debo like those are passing yards so we should be loving it but again we've never confused Jimmy G with this guy we're targeting in fantasy so I'm mm-hmm. like all right if Jimmy G could be one of the most efficient quarterbacks on a per throw basis like and even he couldn't be this great fantasy quarterback why should we expect that from Tua when okay we have a slight you now you can't have a lower rushing floor than Jimmy G but we also know that Tua isn't exactly giving us a ton there so Rich we would have to think that they're going to throw the ball more and on the one hand mm-hmm. you look at all those weapons that you named and yeah that would make sense on the other hand if you try to go back and we say all right mike mcdaniel what's the offense going to look like we have seen you know run first slower paced offenses with kyle shanahan so just overall i guess what do you kind of expect this offense to look like and then if you have kind of a um a more like general philosophy for looking at basically coaches that come from the Shanahan, the LaFleur, the um, McVay kind of coaching trees where like, unfortunately we've never really seen them call plays. Like how much emphasis do you put on what the head coach did uh, while they were coordinating? Yeah. And it's kind of a tricky thing, but I do think that the way the dolphins have kind of set up this signal is they're going to be a lot more multiple than the 49ers were. And I think we saw that happen midway through the season last year when the 49ers started running a lot more 11 personnel where they started using kind of like Juwan Jennings as kind of like that bigger body on the outside to help run block and then free things up. Because a lot of people misconstrue the Debo Samuel role last year. Uh, a lot of it happened due to the depth of the 49ers backfield getting exposed. But then also, as you took this player that was at the time a complete alpha wide receiver that was destroying people as a, 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 a true alpha X wide receiver, and then we're going to go into 11 personnel and we're able to run the football. Then what do you do as a defense now? We're going to come out. We're going to show you 11, but guess what? If you're going to come out and play nickel or you're going to play some dime coverage, we're going to run the football with this guy. And I think that Miami's going to bring some of that over. They've got the players to kind of do some of this with. And I think they're going to use, they're going to be a little more multiple play, a lot more 11, I think, than people think. Uh, that's why Cedric Wilson was a day one signing. What well, Cedric Wilson's only excuse to play slot receiver in his career. That was an immediate signal that, one, Jalen Waddle was going to play a lot more outside this year. Then you add Tyreek Hill uh, to the fold as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you look at it last year. I mean, 39 of, of 59 carries Debo Samuel had came out of 11 personnel. It, it, it wasn't they were moving him to running back. They found a complete leverage point to, to leverage on defenses. And that's why the thing of the next Debo doesn't work as good because you have to be an elite receiver first. You have to make people respect the 11 personnel package first yeah. to do that. And that's what the Giants are going to find out with Wandale Robinson, right? 
Like if we if we don't care about Wandell Robinson catching the football, then this isn't gonna work. It's not gonna work as well. Debo was destroying people at that point as a wide receiver firsthand. And then you had to respect that because what are you going to do? Are you trying to give up a 30-yard a, a passing play or are you trying to give up a 15-yard running play? Like teams were inviting some of that. So, I mean, there's a lot that went into that. I think that the, in the, the adjustments the 49ers made, I think Mike Daniels is going to bring some up. Maybe like I said, maybe I'm just putting too much faith in it. He's never called plays. Uh, he seems like a super cool, sharp dude, and I just want to give him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I think that they're going to be a lot more multiple, though, than like the Shanahan previous Shanahan offenses have been. And I love the way you're thinking about that. I think it's the closest thing, like hearing you talk about it that way, it's like the closest thing we've seen since when you had Gronk and Aaron Hernandez, right? In their heyday, and teams are like, well, crap. Like, do we put someone out here to cover this guy? Or yes. are we going to stay heavy? You know, and they're going to run routes. If we put someone out here to cover, like, they're going to run the ball. You know, so, yeah, I think it's, uh, to your point, like, it's just a major, like, str- you know, strategic advantage. Like, that they're, obviously, they're deploying it, like, at this tactical level, but it really does put defenses in a bind. I love that breakdown. I feel like out of all the people we've heard about getting the Debo Samuel role, there hasn't been enough like Tyreek Hill talk to it. And no, he's not going to run between the tackles, but this dude's literally averaging an NFL high 7.7 yards per carry since entering the league. I mean, when he was a rookie, they would legit just put him at running back. I mean, that touchdown he had against the Titans, you know, I think that safety probably still spinning. This offense could be a lot of fun, guys. I mean, they actually, these are the best passing wide receivers in the NFL, bar none. We got Mohamed Sanu out there, Cedric Wilson, Len Bowden, if he makes the squad like maybe I'm Mike, Lynn let's go man I'm, I'm keeping him on the dynasty squad one more year let's just see let's see what happens so okay Tua look I understand he's I would guess he'll get drafted in most leagues but that's probably about the bar him Justin Fields would be my pick down here but after that there's certainly kind of another drop off so Rich this is more for best ball even just someone you think could be like a weekly starter by end of the year like a recommended stream your favorite late late round quarterback so we'll say an ADP outside the top 20 quarterbacks. Uh, yeah, he's a bad quarterback too. I don't know if he'll ever be a good quarterback, but, uh, I think it's, it's, we got to kick the can on Daniel Jones one last time Yeah, just to find out, just to find out, you know, as lackluster as Jones even was last year. I mean, the giants actually averaged 3.9 yards for a play with him off the field last year, uh, which is absolutely insane. That's like the situation that how dire it was for the giants to end last season. So obviously you add day ball, everyone's on like the, the pulse of like, is he going to run more? And I believe he will. He's a guy that's averaged 26 yards per rushing game, uh, per rushing per game on the ground so far through his career. So you get a little bit of that, even if he sucks. Uh, the Giants faced just four teams this year uh, that were that are 16th uh, ranked higher than 16th in our passing projected passing schedule uh, in terms of explosive plays and efficiency projected allowed this year. And just one of those teams come after Week Five. So, like, after this kind of start to the season, it really looks like it opens up for the Giants to have a kind of footing on what this offense is going to look like. They're another team. Probably going to be a nice little base 11 personnel team. They don't really have a tight end we want to trust on the roster yet. Um, you know, they have a midseason stretch that looks really good of, like, Jaguars, Seahawks, Texans, Lions all in a row, where, like, if you took him as your QB2, that might be a little hotbed. Um I mean, he's just got to be a better passer, though. There's, like, no way around it. I mean, this dude has been so bad the, the past few years. Think about this last year. Just three of his 15 end zone passes were touchdowns last year. Uh, the past two years, he's completed just 47% of his red zone passes. And, you know, the, I'm so when you look at, like, red zone, right, to me, that's when things condense, processing speed, ability to actually play the quarterback position, get highlighted. 
the only players that have a worse completion percentage than him in the Reds in the past year, Sam Darnold, Gardner Minshew. Um, he's thrown just 12 touchdown passes on 101 red zone pass attempts the past two seasons. Uh, that touchdown rate only ranks higher than one player, and that's Tyrod Taylor, who's his backup. <laughs> uh, um, so what's the got- concussion rate, Rich, like once he's inside the five and they decide to run him? I mean, we hope it's we hope it's high. Not the concussion rate that, that they're wrong. <laughs> Not that we hope they're Rich is though. being mean. <laughs> we want him to run him, though. I mean, we want Saquon to get his touches too. But, there we uh, go. When you're looking at guys at the bottom, we've talked about though, like everyone's elevated the runners. Even Justin Fields, like you said, is kind of in like a no man's land. Like Daniel Jones is the one guy that could still run outside of Mariota, but we can't anticipate Mariota to start the whole year. Uh, you know, that Daniel Jones is like the last guy to say, like, all right, there's some rushing here. And if you were to run into some, like, a good passing season, like, you've got something to work with at least. And, look, I've I've seen the Mariota 40 time. He can do it. I I saw the one game where Derek Carr got hurt after, after the first quarter and, you know, uh, Mariota was able to do his thing. Waller had the big game. Jones is way more of a willing runner, though. I mean, last year, Daniel Jones, 62 rush attempts in 11 games. I mean, Mariota's career high is 64. I mean, he was only hitting 60 back-to-back years with 15 games worth. So I like that call with Daniel Jones. And the Tyrod Taylor signing, man, that was the biggest tell for me that they're probably just going to run the wheels off there on Daniel Jones, uh, see what can happen. We do know, I mean, just if you can balance out the box, you know, take away the extra man with your quarterback in the run game, obviously going to help the efficiency. I'm not so sure either guy can take the same sort of beating Josh Allen has, but we'll see him, man. Hey, Giants, we were talking with uh, Evan Sobe on this podcast last week, and it was just uh, funny, man, because I asked Evan, like, when was the last time the Giants like have actually made this many consecutive front office moves like didn't make you just shake your head necessarily? And Evan just kind of paused and was like, long time, man. It's been, been a minute there. So let's talk a couple more gross quarterbacks before we get out of here, Rich. Cut, stream, start, our equivalent to kill, fuck, Mary. Carson Wentz, Jared Goff, Baker Mayfield. Uh, I mean, we're cutting, we're cutting Baker, uh, 59 career starts. He's been a QB one score in just 16 of them. Remember Baker was the QB five in ADP fellows, uh, a couple years ago that happened. We let that happen on our watch. Uh, I don't know who remembers it. Obviously they were the drafted. Odell was a top five wide receiver. Yeah. He had just set the rookie passing touchdown record coming off. Yeah. It was looking, looking all right. And look where we are now. But I mean, Baker just doesn't run enough. He's in a situation where his head coach could be the first guy fired. The first head coach fired in season. Uh, we might see Matt Crow at some point play if that happens, but who knows? Um, I guess if we're, if we're gonna, what's the what's the Mary element to this stream or or start? I guess right. So start. Yeah. I guess start would be you default me into Jared Goff. I guess low marital bar yeah. status here. Uh, we'll just bank on the playmakers. You know DeAndre Swift, Amon Ra, Hawkinson, the conglomerate of Jamison Williams and DJ Shark. Uh, enough top in the good offensive line. Well, at least say that. I mean, there's not a lot of upside here, but we got uh, at least the floor to work with in QB2 formats. Yeah. And then, yeah, I mean, Carson Wentz is the complete, like, fuck quarterback. Like, because <laughs> you don't know what you're going to get, man. He's hair on fire. He's almost like – he's just not as fun as, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick, but he's like that. That's how he plays. He gives you a little bit of rushing. He might try to run over a guy sometimes. <laughs> uh, might run into a game that's useful. And also have, like, a four-game stretch where you're like, this is the worst quarterback I've ever seen play. So, I guess uh, – uh, that's how we'll roll it out with those guys. 
Would you agree, though, Rich? And I think that those rankings are fine. But you know, when I'm drafting on underdog, like I see two at QB seventeen going pick one thirty four. Like Wentz is going seventy picks later. I just feel like if you need a, you know, if you drafted a top six QB and you only need one more, or you're trying to get your third quarterback, I think we might be overestimating our ability to, you know, discern these terrible QBs, maybe a little bit like guys like Wentz, Goff, and, you know, I put them next to each other for a reason. They're QBs 26 through 28 underdog, but even Baker, man, we've seen each of these guys have a lot more success in the NFL, albeit a couple years ago for several of them than a lot of these, you know, other youngster quarterbacks going ahead of them. Yeah, I mean, listen, at least, I, I can at least be talked into, like, once the YOLO status of what's. I can at yeah. least hear I can at least hear that side of it versus kind of the non-upside of it. That's why we're fucking and not married. <laughs> Although, Dwayne, Dwayne, I'm, <laughs> Dwayne I'm, I'm pretty sure beginning of the offseason we were going over this, your answer, which made sense, was pretty much like, well, I've seen the other guys suck for a less amount of time. So, <laughs> Yeah, sometimes you just got to go with who, su- who sucked less, you know? I mean. <laughs> All right, Rich, two more questions for you. Last or second to last one. Do you ever sit down at night and just ponder what life might be like if Drew Locke winds <laughs> up being really good? Uh, you know, you said this, and I actually didn't think you were going to ask it. So <laughs> I was like, wow, well, you two are typical there. You know? um, no, I haven't. Uh, you know, I think that the play last year where Drew Locke came in and did like the fake pitch against the Bengals uh, and fumbled and had the run, that was like Drew Locke. Like, that was it. That was the but Drew then he Locke chased experience. the guy down. It, it was, yeah, he almost was, got you, the ball back. <laughs> you love the fight. You love the fight from Drew Locke. Uh, you almost pulled the Mo Claret. Uh, go get the ball back. Uh, oh my gosh. Listen, I'm not going to entertain any. Like, these guys aren't going to start both. <laughs> Neither one of those guys is going to start the entire season, whoever wins the, the, bat, the battle there. It's slappers only battle too. So, so all real time, quick, I, I know no, hold on, Dwayne. All time <laughs> national, all time national championship play that we just got a shout out to Maurice Correct running down. Sean Taylor may rest in peace, but oh my goodness, what a moment there! And hey, this, we're talking about Drew Locke. This is like the only time we get to do it. My only thing with him, I was trying to, you know, we talked about Josh Allen just being such an entertaining quarterback. And PFF, we have the big time throw rate and the turnover worthy play rate. So I've, I've every year I've taken, you know. The guys that have the biggest difference in that quarterbacks that are really good at, you know, lots of big time throws, which can be more descriptive than anything. But then also they have the high turnover worthy play rate. So the last four years, 2018 was Ryan Fitzpatrick, 2019, Jameis Winston, 2020, Drew Locke and 2021, Justin Fields. I don't know what it means. I'm going to call it the entertainment rating. And that's it. I talked about Drew Locke and um, yeah, we talked about it. Thanks, guys. Dwayne, go ahead. <laughs> no, I just this one can be really quick too, Rich. But so, are you completely out on Metcalf? Uh, yeah, for the large part, yeah, yeah, and it's mostly an ADP thing for you. Y- yeah, and it's kind with- of uh, you know, it's kind of how he scored. To me, the biggest, my biggest issue with Metcalf is the gap he has to lock it. Like, why is the gap between those guys so wide? Like, if I'm, I find myself getting a decent amount of locket as my wide receiver four or five. Because he's just so far away from Metcalf, and they should be tighter. These are two guys that, in the history of they, their time playing together, have performed at a much tighter basis than one guy being away. And the target tree is going to be the same. Like, you got no offense to it. It's, it seems a little weird to me how people have written off Tyler Lockett's production as, like, all Russ. Like, I don't think anyone's ever shown me this 
you know, advanced analytics behind this. Just like, oh yeah, look at that chemistry. Like how is Locking going to do this without Russ? Whereas Metcalf just gets the roaring benefit of the doubt. But, you know, maybe the answer to the Seattle offense is just no. Uh, certainly would make a lot of sense. Rich, potentially, Rich, potentially, potentially could be. Rich, great <laughs> stuff. Final question for you. It can be, it's a bull prediction type thing. What do you think will be the defining storyline at the QB position in 2022? Well, the, the, the top down answer, I'll give it a second. But the things that I think for fantasy make the most, the matter the most is are we going to see like this accuracy for a third straight season? Uh, Cause if not, then that opens the door for us all to be taking quarterbacks too highly than they should be. Uh, and then secondly, why aren't all quarterbacks two quarterback leagues? Look at the wealth of names we covered here on the show already. These are, this is the only position that has viable, useful NFL players that get thrown aside because they just don't fit in one quarterback leagues. Cause the way it's played guys like Carr and Tua and Kirk cousins and fields, uh, like everyone should be playing two quarterback leagues now. It's we're, we're past the time. But the thing I think that's the most defining thing about the season is which of these year two guys come back, baby? Which ones hit? Because this was the most like illustrious quarterback class in maybe the, the last 20 years. And they all sucked. They all were bad. They all were terrible last year. So who who bounces back? You get a lot of value in Trevor Lawrence. Does Zach Wilson bounce back? Does Justin Fields have that ceiling, that dual upside ceiling? We're giving Lance kind of a hall pass because, like, we don't really see him play, so good for him. But, like, the, the, the year two quarterbacks, I think, are the guys that are going to really kind of think make it. Maybe, maybe Mac Jones is actually really good. Oh, I think he is a, a really – I think he's a really good real-life quarterback. I don't know how much it's going to matter so for fantasy. Fun. But, yeah, absolutely. I think year two quarterbacks, though, I think all of those guys have a lot more upside still cooked in – to their range of outcomes than they get credit for. Rich, fantastic stuff. People can find you over at Sharp Football Analysis. You guys just had your uh, preseason draft guide, I believe, come out. Of course, follow you at Lord Reeps. Anything else you want to get off your chest, my friend? Uh, no, listen, that was the, the gauntlet. I look forward to seeing you guys in Canton. Everything's at Sharp Football Analysis. I have like 50 free articles. You can read all my Ooh. thoughts on that. Uh, got a bunch of stuff for subscribers as we're approaching uh, draft season. So listen, I'm ready, man. I'm an in-season fantasy analyst. I can't wait to recalibrate. I uh, can't wait to get both of you guys to come on my show in season. I uh, can't wait to be talking about, you know, all the usage that, that, that Dwayne's going to be talking about uh, so we can re- recalibrate all these things. So listen, uh, namaste for having me on and good luck everybody the rest of the summer. Absolutely, brother. Appreciate you. Dwayne, final words. Yeah, man. Just appreciate having Rich on. Always one of the best. I do have to ask Rich because people ask me this, but I think you're like 10x me. How much of this is just memorize these stats versus how you have to read? At this point, a lot is because I'll get on shows. I've talked about a lot of these players, so it's fine uh, by then. So we're good. And I, you know, I wrote for the Sharp Football book that's behind me. Uh, so we've got we've done a lot and we're still retaining it though. It's impressive. So you're probably like 80 percent of it. You just know. Yeah, uh, yeah, good amount. Uh, some we go That's back to. We're going like man. real deep, deep in the streets on stats uh, to make sure you get the accuracy on the stats. But a lot of these takes we've dropped already. So, <laughs> well, man, Can- yeah, again, appreciate you. I'm looking forward to even next week. I will do the first utilization report next week. Yeah, we'll, we'll just do it on starters. We'll just do it on starters. I'm not trying to break my mm-hmm. back out of you know week one preseason, but yeah. <laughs> God, could you imagine that? Just here's the third string you like. I would might cry. Just, might just lose listeners at that point. But Rich, great stuff. King State Kings, as always. For Rich, for Dwayne, I'm Ian. Thanks as always for tuning in to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. And until next time, take care. Everybody.